Hello and welcome to UX Soup, a podcast that looks beyond the buzzwords to give you the latest developments impacting the user experience of personal devices and services in the home and on the go. As always, UX Soup is presented by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis and expertise. My name's Lisa Cooper and today we're going to talk about the topic of service design. And with me today to unpack this topic, we have two practitioners in the area of service design. Um, so it's with great pleasure I introduce you to Serena Nusing. Hi, everyone. So Serena is a service designer at the Policy Profession Unit based in Glasgow. Also with us today, we have Stephanie Cruz. She is also a senior service designer at Sopra Staria based in Trun. Hello, Stephanie. Hello, everyone. So let's jump straight into this topic. Can you explain to the audience, in your own words, what service design is, for those that don't know? Service design means applying a user-centered design approach to the development and delivery of services. Service design starts with people, their behaviors, needs, and experiences. In Scotland, many people might will be familiar with the Scottish approach to service design, which specifically outlines how we should design public services in Scotland. And when it comes to designing public services, we need to make sure that we are not only designing the right services that meet the needs of their users and businesses, but also that we are designing it in the right way, which is about understanding the problem space before jumping to a solution, conducting ethical and inclusive research and working in a collaborative and iterative way. That's, I guess, a short and sharp definition, more or less, of service design. But I also want to highlight what people had said during our uh, research project and our study, because I think it's really interesting, instead of thinking about how can we define it, maybe defining it by looking at how we contribute. And I'm just going to list some things that people told us. Um, thinks how service design can contribute is by fostering citizen participation, mm. by bringing in an evidence-based approach, by yeah. enabling collaboration, by engaging people in a creative way, by building empathy within an organization. Probably the most obvious, but very important thing by helping organization recognizing that they are actually delivering services. To <laughs> Sometimes they forget. Yeah, they, they often do. Yes. <laughs> well, so tell me a little bit more about that. Apparently, you've been doing some research about the practice of service design on a volunteer basis, correct? It all started with a, a tweet from uh, Kirsty Joanne Sinclair, um, who's a service designer as well. And she tweeted, I can't even remember exactly what she was tweeted about, what subject she wanted to write about, I think. And Angela's, Angela Fernandez Orvitz, who's the, another member of the Practitioner Stories group, uh, she replied to that and I replied as well. So we got together, but we had, we had never met before. And so it was, it was during COVID, that was June 2020. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so we started to have uh, this discussion and she was finishing her PhD and she, she didn't know too much what she was going to do after. And she wanted to do a, a little study about um, all the practitioners uh, in Scotland in the public sector. But I, I think she wasn't too sure about how to go about by herself. So having someone else with her was, was good. 
we realized very quickly that she had big plan and they're like, we need more, more people for that. We, we asked if people wanted to help us. And that's where we got Serena. <laughs> I did do that. Exactly. So she wanted to say something <laughs> about that. Yeah. So, and that was then actually the time when I first met Stephanie and Angela. So at one of these virtual services and gatherings meetups. Mm. And to that point, I was someone being quite new to the design community in Scotland. So I thought, you know, researching and telling people stories about service design would be such a great idea. So I asked to join the team. <laughs> and that's how we ended up uh, having weekly meetings. So outside our work hours, lunch, evenings, and, and trying to see who we would like to talk to and trying to make sure that we're doing things right. Uh, because, well, we, people would look at what we had been doing, so we wanted it to be perfect a bit even more than for work, because we had the time, there was no crazy deadline. Uh, we could do whatever we wanted, but we wanted to do it really well. And so we ended up talking to 15 people, and there was a, we wanted to really try to have people from all over Scotland and different sectors as well. So we were focusing on the public sector and the self sector, but we had people from education, the government, uh, charities, the police, the health, education. We've really tried to cover a lot of different profiles. Wow. And we had an hour discussion with, with each of them. And then we've transcribed because you had no funding, no budget. So we've done it. Uh, on your own very time. Long, rough typing on that. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we ended up with so much data. I imagine. Yeah. So... After that, we needed more help. <laughs> yeah. So we ask again, and that's how we got our last member, uh, who is Vinishri uh, Verma. So it took us a long time to do it, but in the end, uh, we we decided to do it bit by bits. So every, we we divided the work, and we were doing uh, the, all the summaries on each theme on Medium. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a link so people can find the, the, the summaries of Inside. But it took us, I don't know, 18 months. Is that it, Serena? We started in June 2020. Mm -hmm. And I think the last summary was some was last December. Wow. I think that's when we yeah. started. Yeah. Something like that. We were doing it in kind of waves. So sometimes um, when there was capacity and when we had the time, we worked a little bit more. And then we had just like weeks of break basically because we were all busy with our full-time jobs so um, I think we just need to acknowledge that we were able to manage as you said quite a big amount of data and um, yeah uncover really really insightful data about service design in Scotland about the practice about the community and especially I think about the needs of the individual practitioners and and all that online, uh, the, I think the first time we met each other was last June. So we were just doing that. I mean, we, we only, I didn't realize that Serena was so tall and, until I, I met her. <laughs> Thanks, so, Stephanie. <laughs> so, I mean, normally as a service designer, there's one of you in the team, yes. in the project team. But suddenly we were working three service designers together, but all very different. So we were discussing, why are we doing that? Oh, I wouldn't do this like that. Like that. So there was so much discussion about how we should be doing something. 
and it has pushed me in direction I would have never gone by myself. So the project material was great, but also the experiment of doing it. The process uh, was itself. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of insights did you uncover going through this process in terms of the results and in terms of, I think you were just starting to talk about yourself as well, in terms of how you are going about your own roles? So yeah, during this research, we've learned about what motivates people to do service design or to become a service design practitioner, what they think the practice itself can bring to a project or an organization. We've also talked about skills and learning. So what are things that people need to have in order to practice service design in terms mm. of the skills, but also what are the things that they want to learn further? How do they learn? How do they want to learn? Personally, I found very much interesting the kind of like other side of that, which is around the difficulties that we face as a practice such as organizational barriers or challenges with working with people. So people were very honest about their struggles in their day-to-day practice Mm. and shared with us things that they were missing and how sometimes designers themselves or let's say the service design practice can become a blocker. Quite often the problem were not so much uh, the the project itself and the the people you you not the service user, it's it's the team, it's the the crazy deadline we have. I mean, most yeah. of the problem are internal. It's not. It's all internal. It's yeah, the, it, the, the fragmentation with organizations can be. Yeah. Yeah, one practitioner, for example, said, "There's all these sorts of reputational risks." Because quite often the things that people have been asked to do are solution-oriented, not problem-solving. Mm. Um, I think what is really interesting is thinking about also how, you know, like how we need to get better in communicating service design ourselves. Mm. Because one practitioner said that language is one of the biggest barriers to involving people. And we need to be more conscious, self-conscious of the language we use. Was there anything that surprised you in that process? I mean, was that a surprise or was that something you expected? Yeah, I would say I think when it comes to talking about service design, especially in the public, I think we are more used to promoting things. We are more used to, you know, like have case studies, talk about all the great stuff. And to be honest, I was probably expecting to hear a lot more about you know, like how great they've done in their jobs or um, what kind of amazing projects they have delivered over the last years. And yeah, basically how great and amazing service design is. But surprisingly, I think the focus was very much more on how can we improve? What are the challenges? What makes it so difficult from both sides in terms of like, why is it so difficult sometimes to implement service design and to conduct service design, but also being very critical about ourselves, being very critical about our practice, about things that they were missing, things that we are not really doing well at the moment as a community and as a practice. And I think these were really the ones that impressed me personally the most and surprised me the most. Maybe to add to that, I think because maybe we we haven't been too clear on that, we are all service designers, 
but we, when we were recruiting people, we've talked to user researcher, content designer, uh, people working in accessibility. So we've looked at people who were from working in service design, uh, service design in general, not as service designer. And most of them were medium to senior level. And some of them, they were very uh, present on Twitter or, or it looked like they were doing great things and all that. So, and, but they were very honest about the struggles they had. So we saw a different side of, of what they were doing. And it's part of what we've heard when people were reading the summaries as well. It, they felt so good to see that it was not just them struggling with things. If you look at what's on Twitter, what's published, it, it's, it's like everyone is doing great thing but me. And, <laughs> and then suddenly they realize, okay, no, we all have the same struggle. Yes. And I think that was, was really good. And I think it helped the people who were reading our summaries to feel, okay, yeah, that, I, I can identify that as well in my, in my work. It would have been good to be able, and maybe that's for the next step, I don't know, but more focusing about how we can do things better instead of showing all the problems that we have. But you know, when you do a research project, you usually you look at the problems and the second phase is about how do we do that better? So we are not there yet. I was going to ask actually, do you have a, a next phase to this project? Is it in the works <laughs> or are you having a break? I think at the end, of it, I mean, we were really amazed that we went that far, to be honest, uh, because it was so many hours and a lot of it was fun, but sometimes it was a bit painful as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so to, to manage to, to push that and to have it in a state that we were happy with uh, yeah. was really good. And I think now it's just a bit hard to do where we go next, because it does take a lot of our time. We really wanted that to, we wanted to bring it back to the community. What we had done was for us, but also to give it to the community to see how we could empower people and do better as a community. I'm not entirely sure where we're going next if we can't drag more people into that uh, crazy adventure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should make a call at this point of just saying, <laughs> if there's anyone out there who has a great idea on how to take this forward or who would like to get involved, please contact us. So, yeah, we are open, I think, for any perspectives, input on how to take that forward. I would like to mention here, the great thing about this project is we've not started with a list of deliverables. It was not that we said, OK, we want to deliver these things. We've just started with a blank sheet of paper. We had no idea where we would go. And I mean, now, two years later, we have a website. We have, I think, about 10 or more articles on Medium. We got great response on Twitter. We are on a podcast just today. So I think there is interest and attraction to that project, which is just really great. And yeah, let's see where it takes us next. But I think... Reflecting on it, I think the biggest impact that we've made or the biggest thing that we were able to do was to create a space for people to talk about these things, mm. to create a space to talk individually, to reflect, to read, to think about these things as a community. You know, I think it's always hard to measure such an impact because not everyone is liking tweeting and reacting to things. So we don't really know how much that has changed people's life or people's practice. 
but we hope that it made an impact and that people were able to like reflect honestly, but also as Stephanie said before, not feeling alone, knowing that there are other people to connect with, to get in touch. And I think that's one really great thing about Scotland. It's a small country, service and community, small comparable to like the wider world. So it's easy to get in touch. There's so many great people out there who are open to just have a chat, to talk about these things, to blog, to tweet. And yeah, I think we've just hoped to kind of like take that a step further by doing this project, by publishing our work. But as I said, we are open for input on One Cup's next and we would be very happy to hear back from the community at this point. We will link to your LinkedIn profiles. So I'm sure anyone that wants to give some suggestions could reach out to you um, or they'll email us. And if they do, I will send that on to you. Um, but I did want to ask how the process informed the way you conduct your own service design research. Like, how has that impacted your role? So for me, I go to lots of events and all that. And um, compared to, to Serena, I, I don't have a formal service design training. And I learn a lot from other people's experience. It feels like I've gained years of experience by doing that uh, because it forces you to reflect a lot and it's something we don't always have time to do uh, normally. So I've, I've learned a lot from that. It has added to my own experience by hearing from others. And what I've really enjoyed as well was uh, we could experiment a lot. Yeah. We could try things. It worked or it doesn't. And, and the things that worked, well, I can reuse now. How about you, Serena? The, the research itself helped me to also reflect on my own practice and process. Some things that people mentioned, to be honest, I hadn't even thought about before. Like mm. that wasn't really something on my mind until actually that person mentioned it in the interview. And I was like, oh, yes, actually, that's interesting. And then you start, you know, like thinking about these things and you start maybe reading new stuff. One of the interesting things that people mentioned was, for example, the emotional impact that they um, would like to discuss more of being a service designer or doing service design projects, because you're working so closely with people, you're working on public services, on really important stuff, but sometimes also very challenging and difficult stuff that mm -hmm. can actually change people's life but also harm people's life mm -hmm. and I think it was really interesting to hear from the community and the practitioner also how it impacts their own thinking and well-being in these terms and how they would like to talk more about the emo emotional impact and reflect more on that I think that's where I've learned the most from it as well it's it's a weird situation where normally uh, when you do these interviews it for project that's kind of remote from you but here we were doing interviews about something that were affecting us we were talking about our practice so for me I mean I'm a service designer I don't think I could be a very good user researcher because I tend to join the conversation instead of just letting the person talk and it was even harder here because we were talking about things like it feels more like a chat with a colleague mm. so that was but it was also I think it was also interesting for them that situation because the question we had were things that were normally they were never asked so it was really interesting and at the same time we we felt we had to give it to be extra careful not to put ourselves in it in the result 
uh, because yeah. the, the material was in the views and not we felt about it. So that was an extra difficulty. But uh, one thing we've done once we were, we were we had finished all that before starting to publish things, we asked all the participants to look at the, the material we had for them to make sure they were okay with it as well, because it was people we we knew and wanted to make sure that they felt okay with that, yeah. which is something that we should really do that whenever we do some research, but we don't always have time to go back to all the participants to say, are you okay with that? Mm -hmm. So we've done it this time and it was interesting to see uh, how people were reacting to that as well. It's been great. And I, I do think it has, we, we know we had some feedback from people who are really happy to see that, but it's been helping us a lot. And I think it, it's been helping quite a few people as well. So, no, it's, it was great. I would have never thought all that when I saw that tweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think people, when they go into this line of work, when they go into user-centered design or user research, service design, they want to be the advocate for the user, whoever that may be. And so that they tend to be people who care about people. And so I imagine when they run into barriers like that, when they run into organizational barriers in the case of service design, and, and it happens in, in other areas of user-centered design as well, it, it can just break your spirit a little bit. So it, it doesn't surprise me that, um, you know, they, they felt like this was some sort of therapy session. It, it's, you know, it, it's, you have to com compartmentalize it, but it's still kind of uh, chips away at you a little bit when you're, you're trying to do your best to to get a good design out there that works that makes that's efficient that works for people that works for all of the users involved one more question for you what did you learn about the process that you think that, that surprised you because you said you were learning about the process as well the fact that you were doing this as a process I know that wasn't yes. the main aim, but you, you said there were some learnings from that. I just wanted to go back to that and and see what you there meant were by that. A, a lot because, yeah, the way I had been working uh, until that project was very much like, okay, we talk to the user. We we usually from an interview, you have maybe five, five insights from that interview and you put that on post-its and we tell back to the team and you move on. But here, <laughs> each interviews... I don't know how many insights we had per hour of interview, probably something like 20, 30. So multiply that by 15. And I mean, we had so much. And Angela really wanted to keep everything first to avoid having any bias directly by selecting what we felt was important. So that was so different. It felt initially, initially, I really felt, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with it, but it felt crazy to me. But now that I've, we've done that, I realize it was actually, it was so rich what we got out of it. So I don't think it's something I can do on every project, yeah. but it's actually, you get so much more from you do. that. Yes, you do. Yeah. Our users were other designers. Mm. And I mean, that's very unique. Like yeah. as a designer to interview designers, that definitely puts some pressure on you. I can tell you, it's like, you know, that the person that sits in front of you knows exactly what you do and what you should do. They are doing it as their day-to-day -day job. So I think it was really interesting, I think, for both of our sites, for us as researchers and designers to have designers as our users to engage with. And I guess for them, 
I would believe it was interesting to finally be a participant and not sitting on the other side of the table, but being the one being interviewed. I think that was an interesting relationship because, I mean, we are one community. We we maybe don't know each other personally, but we have automatically some sort of relationship to each other because we know we both are practitioners. We both are part of a community. And I think that certainly shaped how you engage and how you plan and approach this project and how the process looked like. Not everything that we had planned worked out. I remember that um, at one time I thought I had this amazing idea of let's do a template for workshops and just anyone can use it and run their own workshops. So I've designed kind of like a package for a workshop with some introduction and activities that they can use and edit the insights. Unfortunately, it turned out that no one picked it up. So I think that was something <laughs> where I thought, oh my goodness, the community just going to run their own workshops and then I had to realize no it, that's it's not that easy or you know like there was more required than just putting out some slides for us to you so I think um as we said before it was a space for us to experiment to try out which kind of methods work and which not so we've run for example a workshop with the community which was really great um, so, but we had to facilitate it. It was over two hours, I think, with different activities and so on. So I think it's 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 two things for me. It's on the first of all, the first time having designers as users and thinking about what that means and how this maybe also yeah changes how you approach project. And then I guess the second thing, yeah, as with every project, not every method works for everyone. And I think we as designers know that there's not one standard approach to how to do a project or how to solve a problem. We always need to be flexible and adjust whatever we are doing to the needs. And in this case, it, it was needs of the community of our practitioners. Then my next question is, will you publish the results in an academic setting? Will they be in a journal somewhere, do you think? or? So um, we would love to. So if someone is listening to this right now and they think, <laughs> you, we have a spot for you, that would be great. So um, so what we've done, and actually we've not mentioned it, but I think that was one of the most interesting things for me, for myself. So we started publishing um, insights quite early. So we've used Medium to write articles. We've shared our Google Docs, we've shared our mirror boards, but we realized that it might not be accessible and inclusive to everyone. Mm. So Stephanie came up with this great idea to say, let's build a website and use the website as a medium to talk about insights and to share insights. So that was certainly for me a new format to share raw data and research insights. But currently we are working on kind of final report so basically bringing everything together from the last two years into one final report to read that will be quite heavily in terms of pages and maybe um i would recommend rather read the medium articles or use the website but i guess for us that's kind of like one way of trying to make sure we've documented everything what we've done and um, people have access to it. But unfortunately, there's not any official paper yet we are publishing our work. <laughs> and that website is Practitioner Stories? 
that's called yeah practitioners. We'll, we'll give you a link as well for that uh, yeah, yeah the, because it's not um it's something that uh, so i used to be a software developer but i wanted to do something very simple where angela serena and Vinishri could potentially edit themselves so i've used something called github page it was just to have another uh, potential place for people to go and, and see, uh, depending on their ability, what they prefer or not. Because we, we've done that as a user research, so everything was anonymized. And I know there's a few interviews, I was like, oh, it would have been great if we could keep the recording, if, if the person had been happy to share it as a, as a, a pod, just like a, a podcast clip. or a discussion. Yeah, because. A some of these stories were really, really interesting, mm. but we had done that with the premise that it was going to be anonymized. Mm. So the next step could be doing something similar, but this time with people who are okay to put them uh, to put that live, and everyone could listen to to the person telling their story, yeah. because that's that's it was the <laughs> practitioner stories. The the only downside is that probably people will be less. Uh, inclined to share anything that they don't think they've mm. done well. So there's, there's pros and cons to, to that. And I think there's also something to think about who might be, you know, like a great target group in future for practitioner stories. One thing that we realize is that especially young people, especially graduates and students are very interested in that. And I've just re recently had a chance to also share practitioner stories at, at the university. And I think that's just because when you go the traditional path, like my path, so going through education and learning about design and everything, I think there's always the danger that people feel like maybe they are in a bubble and they don't really know what a real working life actually looks like. At least, yeah, something that helps, especially young practitioners to think about yeah. um how do people do service design? What are their stories? What might happen? What m kind of service designer can I be or designer in general? And take that almost as an inspiration um, to just think about the, their own career and the next steps. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Uh, this is a really interesting topic. We'll be sure to share the links um, in the show notes as well as to your LinkedIn profiles. So thank you very much for joining us, Stephanie and Serena. It was thank great. So it was a pleasure to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, it thank you for, for having us. Oh, it was lovely. Lovely meeting you. And this, this sounds like a really interesting topic. If you have any questions about service design, or if you would like to send us any questions you may have, you can email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. The show notes can be found on our podcast website, ux-soup.com. And there you can find links to our research, as well as connect with each of us on LinkedIn. UX Soup is sponsored, as always, by Strategy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights by visiting strategyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.